Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome. Again, if this is your first time, welcome. It's lovely to see new faces in the house of God. You may be seated. Thank you. I was speaking with Christian this morning, and just before we get stuck into the Word, I just want to remind you and encourage you guys, in four weeks we have Vision Builders coming up, um, and we would love you really just to go away over this time and over the next four weeks and just really pray and seek God about what He has on your heart. You know, we're not about people rocking up and, and on the spur of the moment trying to think or feel pressured or not sure what they should be doing or giving, but we really want you to give from a place of having sought God. Um, for your family and say, God, over the next year, what is it that you want us to commit into the house? You know, and really for us, Vision Builders is about finding a place that we can call home with a foundation um, that says to our community, you know what, this is who we are, we're here to stay, but it's, it's more than just a building. It's about us having opportunity to provide a, um, an arm into our community and, and a place where we can minister. You know, the, the Bible says that faith without works is dead. And so we want to be out in our community. We want to have a place where mums and, and bubbies can come along and kids can come and just connect and really just touch people's lives. So that's, we're excited. We feel God's moving. In the two years, we've seen Him do amazing things. And we're just really believing in the next season of our church that we're going to find a place that's going to be favored with counsel. It's going to be a perfect facility for us. It's going to give us opportunity to do just that, be the hands and feet of Jesus. So if you just pray about it, four weeks, we're going to, we're going to have Vision Builder Sunday. We'd love you to come with something prepared in your heart of, of what you feel God's asking of you this year. Amen. Is that all right? Cool. Well, we want to get stuck straight into it this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to kick off in verse 11. And it says this. It says, in him also... We have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things, according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In him also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. And everybody said amen. So this morning I want to talk about inheritance. And I want to premise my message this morning by saying this. You know, as human beings, you and I are not just born into inheritance, but rather as it's been determined by the kingdom of God for each one of us, in that moment that we accepted Christ as our Lord and Savior in our world, it says that we were received into an inheritance. That as we opened our hearts and we allowed the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of us, it says that we were sealed, that the Holy Spirit became a guarantee for you and I of the inheritance we are, we are to receive, that we've been marked. It's, it says to the world that we're no longer slaves, but we're now sons and daughters. We've now become heirs, amen? And so because of this inheritance that you and I have in Christ, it is so very important that we come to understand our true value and our true self-worth, amen? Because at the end of every day, when you strip back life's complexities and you strip back all the challenges that life throws at us, there's a truth and it is this, who you believe you are will determine the life that you live. And I want to say that again so you don't miss it, who you believe you are. Now, 
I'm not just talking about some superficial inkling or guess or idea about what personality type you may be or what motivates you or even what others think of you. What I'm talking about this morning is who you believe you are right down to your very core. What you believe makes you you, what makes you tick. It is that fundamental truth about yourself that will determine the kind of life that you live. Amen? So it says in Galatians 4, verse 1, it says, Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son in your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. He said, here Paul is dressing uh, the Galatians. He's writing a letter, and I can, I can just feel the frustration in the tone of his letter, because here are people in Galatia, who have accepted Christ, they're Christians, they've invited Christ into their world, they've got the Holy Spirit now living on inside of them, that as we said earlier, was the seal and guarantee of the inheritance that is coming, but they're still acting like slaves. They're still acting like children. They've received God into their world, but nothing, nothing has changed. And so what you've got to understand this morning, the Bible says this about you and I. He says that, that before we encountered Christ, it says that you and I were slaves, that we were born into and oppressed under the dictates of this world, and that as slaves who did not yet know a Savior who had come to die and buy our freedom, it says that we by default were living in bondage. We were living to, to, to serve out our addictions. We were living to serve out dysfunction, serve out bad attitudes, ser serve out uh, bad habits. But then the day came. There was that glorious day that you and I met Christ Jesus. We encountered Christ, and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it says that we gave over the life we had to Him. And at that moment that we opened our hearts and said, you know what, God, come into my life. Holy Spirit, come and dwell within me. The Bible says that we were taken out of slavery by the power of the blood of the cross, and we were brought into the family of God. It says in that moment we were adopted in as sons and daughters to the very family of God. In that moment, we receive the same inheritance that is upon Christ's life. We stopped being slaves and we became heirs. Who knows that that's good news, amen? And so my point is this. If you are no longer a slave, but have been made an heir, then as an heir, the life you live now must be lived differently to the life you did live when you were a slave, amen? Because a life that is truly given over to the wondrous saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is a life that cannot deny the transforming power of the Holy Spirit, amen? Because you see, where there was hatred, all of a sudden you find that there's this, this love that begins to flow up in your life. Where there was um, a, a struggle with depression, all of a sudden joy begins to break through, crack into your world. Where you were kept up night after night after night after night with anxieties, and fear, all of a sudden you find by the power of the Spirit inside of you, you start sleeping under the peace of heaven, under the peace of God, and where you found yourself as a person that was harsh, um, 
and, and impatient with others, all of a sudden within you, you find this ability to start bearing alongside other people, start showing a kindness to other people. And so out of your life begins to flow this, this, this uh, goodness and this faithfulness and this gentleness, this self-control. All of a sudden you have the Spirit of God living inside of you and He's marking you and I for the inheritance that is coming in Jesus' name, amen? But what I want to say this morning is that sometimes even heirs can forget the inheritance they have. You see, sometimes sons can forget their heavenly adoption and start acting like orphans. God can call you a son and a daughter this morning, but you and I can still, by choice, choose to live um, as slaves, choose to live as strangers. Yep. Matthew 16, 15, and this is a key verse I want to look at this morning. It says this, he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, if anyone had an inheritance in their life, not just eternal, but while they're on earth, I want to suggest to you that it's Peter. Here is God looking at Peter, saying, Peter, because of the divine revelation my Father has given you of who I am, because of that profession by faith that you, of who you say I am, I'm going to build upon that profession and upon that revelation my church. And not only am I going to use you to build my church, but I'm going to give you the, literally give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, my kingdom, that you will have authority upon your life, Peter, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound on heaven, whatever you loose on earth is going to be loosed on heaven, in heaven, amen, so I want you to hold that thought, and I want you to fast forward with me to the last supper, because there's Jesus with his disciples, they're all sitting around having a meal, and he's finishing off a conversation with his disciples about who's going to be the greatest in heaven. And it's almost like he finishes off that conversation and he turns to Peter, he changes track of thought and he gives him this urgent look and he says, Peter, I need you to listen to what I have to say. And he says this, he says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And we know here that Jesus is referring to the fact that Peter's about to deny him three times before he's crucified. But isn't it interesting that I found this, that after such a great confirmation and affirmation of the inheritance that was awaiting Peter, of how much trust God was placing in this man, that almost in the same thought, God says, but Peter, I want you to be aware because Satan has asked for you. He's going to sift you like wheat He's going to test you. He's going to test your loyalty, and you're going to fail that test. Not only are you going to fail that test, but you're then going to end up denying me three times. Now, I don't know if it's just me, but it just seems here that Jesus is just a really, 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 really bad judge of character. Because here he's saying, Peter, here are my keys to my kingdom. Upon you, the confession of your mouth, the divine revelation, I'm going to give you the keys to my kingdom. I'm entrusting all of this to you, knowing full well, after everything that we've journeyed through together, 
after all the time that I have invested in you, not just as a disciple, but as one of my closest friends, you're going to deny me. You're going to almost deny me to my face that you ever knew me, and you're going to walk away from me. And I kind of think, God, what is going on there with that? But I want to tell you this, where there exists something of faith, where there exists something of value, something of worth, something of promise, in that same place you will find a stumbling block and a thorn in the side of the enemy. And I want to put it to you like this, no one is going to break into your home, test the integrity of its structure, try and short circuit its security system to steal a pair of dirty underwear that you no longer wear but use to wash your car because there's no value in it and it has no promise and it holds no worth. But should I suggest to you that in your home you have a chest of diamond-encrusted jewels, and I, I can almost bet you that if someone of questionable character caught on to the fact that that's what you had in your home, that they will try to steal in and break it and steal it from you. Why? Because that holds value, that holds worth, that holds promise, that holds security, amen? And so what we've got to do, based on what Jesus is saying, is we've got to go back and have a look at what he's saying to Peter, and he says this, back in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. he says, Simon, Simon... Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. And I love this because Jesus is looking through the pending denial that's about to happen. He's looking through the fact that Peter's about to fail a test of loyalty to him, and he says, Peter, it's okay because I know. I've prayed, and I've seen on the other side, even though you fail this test, your faith won't fail. And because your faith won't fail, you're going to get up, and you're going to return to me. And once you've returned to me, I want you to strengthen your brothers, and I want you to continue on in what I've called you to in Jesus' name. Amen. And so church, this is so important to understand. There is ultimately only one thing that the enemy desires to steal, kill, and destroy in your life, and that is your faith. You need to understand this morning that behind every test, every trial, every storm you walk through, the objective and mission of the enemy is to dismantle your faith. Why? Because faith is the anchor line between you as an heir and the inheritance you stand to receive in the kingdom of God. When you accepted Christ into your life, you accepted the promises of God by faith. You've got to understand the enemy wants to destroy those promises by destroying your faith. Because if he can dismantle your faith, he will cut the succession line of that inheritance from God to you. If he can remove your faith from your world, what it does is it causes you to walk away, you defect, you give up the privilege that you have as an heir in Jesus' name, amen? You see, it's not by chance that before Satan is allowed to sift Peter, Jesus gets in first and he says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Jesus was looking from Peter for a confession of faith. He's trying to flesh out if Peter has the faith. And so when Peter says to him, Lord, you're the Christ. You are the Son of God. When Jesus hears that, it's almost like he breathes a sigh of relief in himself. And he goes, Peter, you are blessed. My Father's revealed that to you. I can rest easy because I know that I, you've got faith. I can see, you see, in that moment, you've got to understand, he wasn't looking for wit. He wasn't looking for humor from his closest friend or strength or even loyalty. He wanted to see faith. He wanted to see that Peter had faith because he knew that if the enemy could not shake faith from Peter, doesn't matter what Peter went through, doesn't matter how hard Peter was going to fall, doesn't matter how hard he felt disgraced, 
he was going to get up because he still believed who Jesus was. So his inheritance that connected Peter to God and the inheritance that connected Peter to his future would remain. That Jesus knew if all he had is faith, that devil was only going to be the one that was going to lose out in that moment. Amen. So 1 Peter 1, 6 says this, In this you greatly rejoice, though for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love. You know, sometimes, church, we've got to look past the test. We've got to look past the trials. We've got to understand that the fight is not won and lost in how hard you fall in that moment, but whether you can make it to the other side and still declare in your life, in your life you know what, devil? You've probably caused me a whole lot of hurt, a whole lot of disappointment. There may be loss. There may be brokenness in my life, but if anything, I still believe. I still believe in a God who loves me. I still believe in a God who died for me, who's working all things together for the good to those that love him. So devil, you've got to understand that here is my faith. If all I have is my faith, here it is. It's still intact. It's genuine. It's immovable. It's unshakable. It's more precious than gold. So in those moments that you find yourself under the weight of trial and temptation, you've got to remember to remind the devil of who you are that I'm no longer a slave, I'm a son and daughter of the Most High God. I'm no longer a child, but I've become an heir in Jesus' name, amen. So it says in Luke twenty-two sixty-one, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out hearing that, and he wept bitterly. And you know, in that moment, I think it would have been so easy for Peter to identify himself and define himself by that very denial of his Savior. You could almost excuse him from walking away from that place and going no further in his faith. Because under such a burden of heartbrokenness, of disappointment in himself, he could have just dismissed this whole revolution that was happening. He could have returned to the shores of Galilee. And so I say that because so often, church, you and I will define ourselves, will place our value and our worth and our identity in the falls we take in life through the trials that come. That we shape our identity by what the world is telling us we are rather than by what the Word of God says we are. Amen? So, um, you know, sometimes we can get lost in the failures and disappointments and fears that we face in life. But I want to tell you that there is comfort in the fact that Peter went away from that place weeping bitterly because in the fact that he wept so bitterly, his true self was revealed. The fact that he was so broken by what he had denied tells me about how close, how long he journeyed, how much he loved, how connected he was to Jesus. Because there's a truth you've got to read in that, that where there is great connection in your world will exist great conviction. Yep. You see, I can hurt you, but if I don't really know you, I may feel sorry, but I'm going to get over it and move on pretty quickly. But if I look into the eyes of someone that I love with all my heart, who I know trusts me with everything that they are, and I see a heart that is broken because of something I have done, because of pain I have inflicted, because there is such great connection, all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed by conviction. 
all of a sudden I can walk away from that place feeling broken, amen? And so Psalm 51, 17 says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. And so why do I say this? Because there is hope in your conviction. You know, through, through brokenness of heart, your faith testifies of your inheritance in God, who you are. You know, and we've got to stop allowing the enemy to just hold us and arrest us at the point of feeling guilty, at the point of where we've, we've experienced brokenness and we've experienced loss, because at that point he attempts to try and define who you are and tell you what you have. But church, I want to say to you that there's something more than that. There's something on the other side of that because you hold value. And the reason that you're tried and you're tested and you go through things in your world is because there's promise on your life. The enemy wants it, but God says, if you will follow me, you'll hold on to it. You know, as heirs in Christ, you have promised your life testifies of the saving grace of God. And so sometimes you've got to learn in your life to extend yourself a little forgiveness. Sometimes you've got to learn to extend yourself a little mercy. That when you fall and you don't get it right all the time, that's okay. Because if you still believe who he is, if you still believe in the name of Jesus, you have faith. God says, get up and return to me. And once you've had returned to me, it's okay. I want you to keep walking on the path I've got for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 37, 23 says this. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, not if, though he fall, when that good man falls, when that person that loves Jesus falls, when the person who's committed into the house of God, who's a, who's a loving husband and a loving father and a faithful friend, when he falls, when he is tested and sifted by the enemy and does not make it this time around, then it's not about identifying the fact that you've fallen, but it says here in the word of God that you shall not be utterly cast down. God will not end your life because you've tripped up. It says that I will uphold you by my hand. Isn't that an encouraging scripture? It doesn't matter that you fall. If your heart is for God and you say, God, you know what? I feel broken about it. I feel disappointed, but I still know who I am. It doesn't change the fact that I'm still an heir. I'm going to keep moving to it. I'm going to get up. God says, well, I'll uphold you with my hands. Amen. So I want to encourage you this morning, church. Build your faith. Build your faith. Stir the faith that God has put inside of you. Make room in your life, whatever the cost, to get the word of God inside of you. Because if you can get the word of God inside of you, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more you hear it, the more you stir your faith, the more you stand on the promises of God and understand who you are. And so when the world says this is who you are, you say, actually, hang on, I got news for you. This is who I am in Jesus' name. When the world says you're not gonna make it, you don't have what it takes, what do people think of you? You say, I don't care because this is what my God says of me. Amen? You know, I want you to encourage you, remind yourself every day. Remind yourself daily, you know what, I'm no longer a slave. I've been made an heir. Why do I say that? Because when life continues to throw things at you, one trial after the other, and you're knocked down time and time again, if your faith is strong in who Jesus is, you can stand up and keep walking. You know, Jesus knew who he was. He had total confidence in his father. He had total confidence in the inheritance that was awaiting for him in heaven. And because he had such confidence, even though he hung on a cross under the full burden and weight of sin, 
a failure in the eyes of so many people that looked at him on the cross. He knew the time was coming. He was going to rise up again. He was going to overcome death, and he knew he was going to go sit again at the right hand of the Father. And so because Jesus knew who he was, where he had come from, and where he was going, he was able to proclaim this, Luke 4, 18, over, the, over his life. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He said that he knew who he was. So I want to tell you again, church, this morning, who you believe you are will determine the kind of life that you can expect to live. Amen. Lozzie, I might get you guys up if I can this morning. Why don't we just stand up this morning, church? I just, um, I really want to make time for God to, to move this morning in, in our service. You know, we're talking this morning about inheritance. And I really feel this morning that God simply wants me to remind you who you are. Not who you are according to who you think you are. Not who you are according to what the world has classified or defined you or identified you as, but what God says you are. So, so often we lose sight of who God says we are. But you know, there's a passage in scripture that says, if you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And so I feel like this morning, if you would just hear the truth of God, who he says you are, that it would penetrate past your preconceived ideas, past your conceptions about who you are, regardless of how many times you've fallen, regardless of how you see yourself in the light of others, if you would accept the truth this morning about who God says you are, I believe that he's going to start setting people free this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So I just want us to go into a time of worship, and as I do that, I just want to proclaim over you who God says you are this morning. And I just want you to make a concerted effort to say right now, in this place, I'm gonna make a stand. I'm gonna open my heart, and it doesn't matter where you are, doesn't matter what you think about yourself, doesn't matter what you're journeying through, doesn't matter how deep under it you feel. I wanna tell you this morning, if you would just surrender and say, God, I got nothing, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready to receive who you say that I am who your father says that you are, I'm telling you, if you will just allow that to settle in your heart, he will set you free this morning. There is power in the word of God this morning. I'm telling you, church, I just felt over the week God saying, people need to hear who they are in my eyes. People need to hear who they are in my eyes, not what they think they are, but who I say I am. And I want to tell you this morning, church, today's the day you stop listening to the enemy whispering in your ear. You say, you know what? There's a greater way. You know what? This is who I am. And so when that voice comes against you in the middle of the night when you're lying in bed wondering how you're going to make it to tomorrow, remember these words. So why don't you just close your eyes? I just want you to lift your hands this morning, church. Surrender your hearts and I want you to hear who God says you are this morning. He says you are a child of God. You are a friend of Jesus. You have been justified and redeemed. Your old self, it was crucified with Christ. You are no longer a slave to sin. You will not be condemned by God. 
you have been set free from the law of sin and death. You have been accepted by Christ. In Jesus, you have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. You are a new creation in Christ. You are no longer a slave, but an heir. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You have been chosen. You stand holy and blameless before God. You have been forgiven by the grace of Christ. Because of God's great love and mercy towards you, you have been made alive. You are the workmanship of God, created to produce good works. You are a citizen of heaven. You are more than a conqueror through Him who loves you. You are part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You are a purchased people. You are healed by the stripes of Jesus. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You are called of God to be a voice of His praise. You have been redeemed from the curse of sin, sickness and poverty. You have been chosen of God. You are holy and you are loved, church. Can you believe it? Give Him praise. Give Him praise this morning. Church, you are loved. Come on, you are loved. That is who God says you are. That is who you are. You are no longer a slave. You've been bought with the greatest price possible, the blood of Jesus. You know, He died for you because He first loved you. He said, I'm not content to see you living as a slave anymore, but I want you to be a son. I want you to be a daughter. I want you to be adopted into my family. You know, God welcomes you into His family with open arms this morning. Just while we're in that place, while your eyes are closed. Maybe you've never heard that before. Maybe that's totally new in your world. That somebody can love you that much that they would die for you. That there's a better way. That you're not stupid. You're not ugly. You're not unloved, you're loved. You're more precious than the finest gold in the eyes of a father who loves you. That's you this morning. I want to make space and opportunity for you to say, Justin, you know what? I want to meet this father. I want to meet this God. I don't know much about him, but I want to be loved. I want to be an heir. You know, I tell you, when you invite Jesus into your world, your life will never be the same again. Your life, you will inherit eternal life. So just while every head is bowed, if that's you this morning, say, Justin, I want, to, I want to know about Jesus. I want to accept Him into my life as my Lord and my Savior. No one's looking around. I don't want to embarrass you, but I don't want to miss this opportunity. It's so important. If that's you, can you just stick your hand up really quickly for me and say, Justin, can you just pray with me? Just really quickly, no one's looking around. Justin, that's me. I'd love you to pray with me. If that's you this morning, you just stick your hand up. I'd love just to pray with you. Accept Jesus into your life. Father, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy that you love us.
that it's okay to fall, that you embrace us. If that's you this morning, I'd love just to pray with you. Maybe for some of you, you said, Justin, you know what? I've accepted Christ in my life, but it's just been so long since I've heard that. I've just been struggling for so long in what others have thought of me. I really feel this morning some of you have really allowed the opinions and attitudes and other people defining who you are. And so you've lived a life according to that standard and you've been knocked around because of it. You've lost your confidence. The enemy's had a field day with your family. He's had a field day with your future. He's had a field day. If you just, if that is you this morning, I would love just to pray with you, just stand in agreement with you. This is who God says you are, that you're an heir. You're a son and a daughter, that he would just speak value back into your world. If that's you this morning, we're just gonna go into a time of worship. I wanna open up this altar and I'd love you to come down and I just wanna stand in agreement with you. Bless you, pray with you. That would be wonderful. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Visit us online at c3noosa.org.